From WUB News, you're listening to The Outlet, where campus meets community. I'm Taylor Burnett. Each week on The Outlet, we bring you stories from Southeast Ohio. This week on The Outlet, a group says it wants more automated vehicles on the road in Southeast Ohio. The goal is to collect the data on more rural routes so that we can um, come up with, identify and come up with ways to get around the challenges that rural roadways present. And Ohio University's plan for the ridges and the historic buildings there. Currently, the ridges is underutilized. These stories and more right here on The Outlet. More automated vehicles, the kind that can drive themselves or help a human driver behind the wheel, are coming to Athens and Vinton County. Roads in Southeast Ohio can be quite challenging for automated vehicle systems. Some of these challenges are limited lighting, curvy roads, and lack of sight distance. There's still a lot of testing to be done in rural areas, and that's the focus of this project, um, particularly in uh, Athens and Benton County in Southeast Ohio. That was kind of the focus of this project. Drive Ohio is using three passenger vans outfitted with automatic driving systems on roads in Athens and Vinton County throughout the year. The goal is to collect the data on more rural routes so that we can um, come up with, identify and come up with ways to get around the challenges that rural roadways present. The testing is part of a two-phase project paid for in part by a $7.5 million grant from the U.S. Department of Transportation. The data is collected using sensors and lasers that will be sent to the Ohio Department of Transportation. The hope is the data will help create better automatic vehicle systems. This was reported by Jensen Neck for the outlet. While you may see these vehicles on the road, they are in the testing phase and have a human driver behind the wheel at all times. There's an old joke that goes something like, if you don't like the weather in Ohio, just wait five minutes. That's not too far from the truth these days. On February 23rd, temperatures climbed close to the 80s, a record high for some places in the region. Lead forecaster Aaron Ashley is here to discuss. Like, how much is too much, right, Taylor? As someone who's a big fan of each of the four seasons, I'm a little sad, I, qu- I can admit, to see prime wintertime get almost transformed into summertime. Did I see a high of 75 February 23rd? Yep, and it's even warmer to areas down to our south. That's where you're going to see temperatures climb pretty, like, even closer to the 80s. Why is it so warm right now? Well, it seems like all week we were on this sort of warming trend. Uh, We didn't have temperatures really get too cold except for maybe overnight in the early days of the week. This is because for the longer portion of the week, we were in what's called the warm sector of a developing system up north now. This system that is the same system that brought a ton of snow for the northern parts of the United States, which we saw here as rain because of all those warm temperatures. It was just too warm for snow to appear. Um, But again, temperatures didn't drop with this rain like you typically see with a cold front because this rain was instead the result of a warm front. So we got the rain, but temperatures with this warm frontal passage remained, you know, 
warm. <laughs> and so now we have seen rain pass here as the warm sector left behind warmth, as well as those a little bit of wet conditions to wake up to today on Thursday. But you know, it makes for, I guess, quite the nice day. So spring sprung a little early. Is it going to stay? A typical structured large system like the one that is currently stretching across the entire United States right now, you know, it has that associated warm front, which we've already seen with that passing warm air and rain. But then the second thing that we're going to see is what the cold front that stems from the system. It has yet to hit us. So this will hit us late tonight, Thursday into Friday, dropping temperatures dramatically. We're talking temperature decrease of almost 50 degrees. You will also definitely hear the winds kick up with approaching f- this approaching front as a result of this insane temperature change. What other effects will the system have? Well, I mean, it's the harsh reality of the situation that, uh, you know, all those plants that you see sprouting from the ground, like I know outside my house, I've got daffodils. I love daffodils or even trees budding will suffer with incoming cold temperatures. Um, I mean, I don't personally have a green thumb, but this is just something to keep in mind, especially if you have outdoor plants that you, you know, want to see survive through the springtime. So again, it's deceivingly nice, but we should see more normal conditions as soon as we wake up tomorrow on Friday. That was WUB lead forecaster, Erin Ashley. The ridges in Athens could soon see some big changes in the next decade. WUB reporter Jacob Mata reports this includes renovating the buildings into affordable housing for people of all ages. The ridges is a 700-acre property Ohio University has owned since 1993. It has a very rich history and many people in the Athens community use this property to hike, birdwatch, and some even enjoy studying the ridges past. Many people believe that the history should be preserved, while others believe that there is more potential for the ridges and the community, all while preserving the important buildings on the land. Ohio University Director of Real Estate Dominic Brook knows there is more that can be done with the land. Currently, the ridges is underutilized. The the university has made substantial investments, uh, over $30 million uh, in the buildings that it's utilizing, uh, but there's a lot of buildings that are vacant. An in-depth framework plan was approved by the Ridges Board of Trustees in October of 2015. It was the culmination of months of evaluations, public engagement, and analysis of the land and buildings that lie on the grounds of the Ridges. The main point of the framework plan was to figure out how to preserve the historical parts of the Ridges while still leaving room for things like creative ideas to improve the Athens community, economy, and infrastructure. The plan that will be up for approval in May does just that and will potentially bring a new look to the historical grounds, according to Community Building Partners CEO Joe Ritchie. Uh, for the community, it, it does bring some jobs. It supports jobs in the community and supports housing within the community. So it's the repurposing of the historic buildings that are currently unused and complements what Ohio University has successfully used. Community Building Partners is one of the companies that has partnered with Ohio University to create the proposal for the ridges that includes 7 to 10 years of construction, and it will cost over $220 million if it's approved. On February 21st, there were two meetings held to present the proposed plan for the ridges, one to the Ohio University community and one to the Athens community as a whole. 
Attendees were able to come in and listen to a presentation of the plan, and at the end, they were able to ask questions, give suggestions as to what they wanted to see happen if the plan was to be approved. Adding to the workload of the three partners in the proposal, the Appalachian Regional Council, community building partners, and Ohio University, according to Brooke. We now, from the university's perspective, need to determine exactly which pieces of land, which buildings we are going to transfer, and then with that transfer, what restrictions are we going to put on that? Are we going to For Richie, transparency is key throughout this entire process, and his company wants to be sure that the community is happy with the plan put in place. A third meeting open to everyone is scheduled for March 24th to see a presentation of the final proposal that will be pitched at the beginning of April to the Board of Trustees. For the outlet, I'm Jacob Mata in Athens. The meeting is located at the Ridges Town Hall in Building 14 on the second floor from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. for anyone interested in the final proposal. A grant fund in Vinton County is getting some big donations, bringing opportunities for community investment to the region. Reporter Jensen Neck takes a look at how this could improve lives. For the Vinton County Community Fund, they have one goal in mind. Empower, you know, our folks to have the mindset for growth, to have the mindset of, you know, to be inspired to achieve and to create and uh, really not limit. Only a year old fund is getting a big boost in support with a $25,000 donation from the Austin Powder Company. The foundation for Appalachian Ohio with the support from the governor's office and Ohio legislature will be matching that amount dollar for dollar for a total of $50,000. There is no doubt that you know the efforts of um, you know state dollars coming our way is 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 part of, I, I think, this continuum of commitment. Um, w w they're not just throwing money at poor southeastern Ohio, they're really pushing, uh, you know, us to invest in ourselves. In its first year, the fund awarded five $2,000 grants to different organizations in Vinton County, focusing on supporting the children of the community. For Easter Seals, the grant is giving children more access to books. Right now, less than half of the children under the age of five living in Fenton County receive books each month through the Imagination Library. Our goal in the coming year is to boost our impact and make sure that 75% of Fenton County children get signed up for the program and future success. The Community Fund says it hopes this is just the start of making a difference in Fenton County. There's been a commitment in investing in the people of Southeastern Ohio. For more information on the fund, head over to the Foundation for Appalachian Ohio website. Reporting for the outlet, I'm Jensen Neck in Athens. Ohio men's basketball is going to the MAC tournament. Assistant producer Caleb McCluskey sat down with WUB sports director Aiden Crowley to talk about what comes next. So Aiden, March is going to be here in a few days, and with the basketball regular season coming to a close, what can you say about these teams so far? Oh, Caleb, we're down to the fun parts of the season, right? Not too many games left on the calendar. Everybody's trying to claw their way into a tournament berth. And OU men's basketball took care of business in their game against Northern Illinois, 77-68, to to lock up a MAC tournament berth. 
And that was a big win for them. Obviously, they knew coming in, if they win, then they could clinch a spot in Cleveland. They can obviously drop as far as eighth, but they'd have to lose out. Right now, they're sitting at the fifth seed, which is a comfortable spot because I don't know about you, Caleb, but it's feeling a little bit like a couple years ago where OU walked in as the fifth seed and came out champions because they've won six straight now, and this team is hot. Like I mentioned, that 77-68 win over the Northern Illinois Huskies, it was back and forth the whole game. They went into the locker room tied at 37 apiece at the end of the first half. And at the end of the game is when OU kind of went on its run. And how about Elmore James, the freshman, that hit the dagger there at the end of the game uh, for a young guy like that to step up in that position and knock down the dagger was cool to see. But we can't talk about this game and not talk about Dwight Wilson. He was an animal down low. He scored 24 points, and then he grabbed his 1,000th career rebound. So it was a historic game for him because now he's at 1,000 career points and 1,000 career rebounds. It just goes to show you the kind of storied career he's had at OU. He's battled an ACL tear, and he's coming back, and now he's the old head of the group leading kind of a younger group of guys uh, trying to go to the promised land. And they were on a good track right now. They end their season at Miami, at Kent State, and Bowling Green. Two out of those three are below them in the standings, with Kent State being one of those top three teams in the MAC. So we'll get a good test of the Bobcats' medal, if you will, here down the stretch to see how they will be going into Cleveland, but I'm excited about it. Yeah, and then what can you tell me about the women's team so far? Yeah, Caleb, I mean, they've been up and down, obviously, throughout the whole season. They started the year 3-19, and 19, which is not the way you wanted to start. But recently, they've won three of their last six, and surprisingly, they're not out of it yet. They sit at 4-10 and 10 in conference play, and that eighth seed that they're hunting down is 5-9. and nine. They're only a game back, and their last three games or excuse me, they have four more games in the regular season, but three out of those four are against teams that are 5-9 and nine in conference. So they, what does that mean? They have an opportunity to move up if they're able to collect a couple wins, and they got a big one in their last time out against the Central Michigan Chippewas. They walked away winners 83-75, to 75, and it was kind of a tale of two halves for the Bobcats in the second quarter. They exploded for 31 points. And they were able to go into the locker room up big, but out of the break, Central Michigan started chipping away and chipping away. But the Bobcats were able to hold on and walk away with that win. And just a special shout-out to the freshman, Jaya McClure, who got her first career start and just simply walked away with a cool 22 points. How about that for your debut in the starting five? And then, I mean, I feel like we talk about this every week, but Yaya Felder did Yaya Felder things. She had 32 and 11 in the win. I mean, she's just willing this team to a MAC tournament. She said post game that they feel like they could sneak in and we'll have to wait and see. Like I mentioned, they have a couple teams in front of them that they need to knock down if they want their spot in Cleveland, but they're down, but they're not out of it, Caleb. And what would those upcoming games be by chance? Yeah. So like I mentioned, three of the last four against teams ahead of them by one game, that one outlier is against the Kent State Golden Flashes, who are 9-5 and five in conference and sit at that fourth spot. And then they close out the season at Western Michigan 
against Miami in a battle of the bricks, which will be a big one on March 1st, and then against Eastern Michigan. So they go on the road twice, and then they're back home for the last two. So we'll see how the rest of the season shapes up. And again, it's winner go home time right now for the Bobcats. Their backs are against the wall, but from what we've heard from them, it seems like they're not going to go down without a fight. Exactly. And with those basketball seasons coming to an end, our hero hockey team is in the same kind of demeanor. Yeah, they're at the close of their season as well. They have their last home series. I, it feels like they were at home for about three months, Caleb. They were at home for about three months. Then they went on the road at Liberty. They split that series against a very solid Liberty ball club. They come back to Bird Arena against Niagara in their last series before the playoffs. And this has been this has been a very successful season for Lionel Marone and his team that is led by a couple younger guys. Laker Aldridge and Luke Reeves have been phenomenal for this team. And they're going into that tournament hot right now. We'll have to wait and see kind of where they shape up. Anywhere from about two to four is where they could be in that playoff time. And they're hunting for a, a championship crown. They're, they want it. They know the team to beat. It's probably going to be Minot State, who they split with earlier in the season. So, again, I love this time of the year. March is probably one of my favorite times for sports because you just got so many different things coming to a close and all it's, it's all got to come to a head and we just get to sit back and watch it happen, Caleb. That's all we have for you this week. Thanks for joining us. The outlet is produced each week by me, Taylor Burnett, and my assistant producer, Caleb McCluskey. We're edited by Atish Badia, Aaron Payne, and David Forster. Adam Rich is our technical assistant, and our theme music is performed by Ryan Gabos. Subscribe to the outlet on SoundCloud or Spotify, as well as Apple Podcasts. You can find us online at wub.org. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore newsweek. You can also follow us on Twitter at outlet underscore WUB and Instagram at newswatch underscore WUB. We'll be back next week with more stories from Southeast Ohio.